So this morning, like I said, we're finishing our series through the Lord's Prayer as is found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And, and we've had uh, these stickers kind of laying around for a couple of months that you can pick up. I think there's some back there. There's some on those tables over there. You can pick those up. Um, it's just a little labyrinth with the Lord's Prayer kind of written in its path as you follow it around. And it's actually something that I drew a couple of years ago. Um, and when I drew it, it was just meant to be like a personal reminder for me to pray this prayer repeatedly and slowly and to let the Holy Spirit do His work in me through it. And so I just started with like a little sketch as I was trying to repeat it. And then the more I prayed the prayer, the more I altered the sketch and changed the way it looked just for, just for my own benefit. So at one point, I kind of made the, the path different so it looks like a cross, at least, you know, somewhat. Uh, and that was just to, a visual reminder of how... Jesus had already proven to be the answer for everything that I was praying in this prayer through his death and through his death, through his resurrection. And then I put, you know, in the middle, the Trinity knot is there, and I put that there just, just as another, like, visual representation of, like, the communion that was, I was experiencing with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as I was praying this prayer. And then one last change that I put in here is I changed the path just a little bit uh, so that as you enter uh, up here at the top, it also would be the same place you would exit the labyrinth, but, but also so that if I was like walking it, if it was like a real labyrinth, or even if I'm following it around, I guess, I sort of have the option to just keep going and go through it again and to continue back around in the prayer. And so one neat thing that came from that was connecting the prayer of deliver us from evil, which is at the end of the Lord's Prayer, with our Father in heaven, which is back at the beginning. And that's the connection I hope to kind of give us this morning and leave us with this morning. The Lord's Prayer begins with this proclamation of good news. Our Father in heaven. Like we talked about what a great announcement this was uh, several weeks ago back when we started this series. Our Heavenly Father is not distant. He's not far off. He's not somewhere out there. He's present. He's with us. And His presence is heavenly meaning it's, it's good beyond measure. His presence is what we are made for, and it's where our heart will find pure delight. And so our Father in heaven, those first four words of this prayer, is a proclamation of good news over us as we enter into this prayer. It's what our heart really needs to come to believe. And so as we continue the prayer, I think we become more aware of God and what His eternal kingdom is like as we pray those prayers of like, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But as we grow in awareness of God and as we grow in awareness of his kingdom, we also grow more aware of the state of the world we live in as we pray for our daily bread and we consider the provision that we still need and the debts that still need to be forgiven. So maybe we're a bit numb to it until we start to get a glimpse of God's eternal kingdom, until we start to taste and see the goodness of our God and his grand design. I mean, we, we kind of tend to look past the present realities of like warring abroad and of poverty and hunger and thirst and disease and abuse and slavery and the many atrocities that are happening all across the earth. And truthfully, we just tend to miss the evil realities that exist like even in our own country or even in our own cities until like we become the one suffering in one way or another. But I, th I find that when we keep praying this prayer, 
We like grow in our awareness of God's grand design. And then by contrast, we start to become more aware of the oppressive evil that exists on every side of us and all across this earth. And then we begin to ask, like, how can we help? We begin to ask how we might even be changed. And then how we might be used by God to see things on earth become as they are in heaven. And and these are good and transformative prayers that we've been going through. And then we come to this last verse of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 13, and it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I personally have found that at least two things are happening here. There's probably more. One we talked about last week, that, that this is a prayer of enlistment. This is a prayer where we sign up to be a part of God's kingdom work. And it's also a place where we must actually realize that, that, that we can't do it on our own. Right? Like we'll cower, we'll give in to temptation if we're on our own, but then we recognize who we're with and who's leading the way. And that while we can't defeat evil without our Father, with Him, evil cannot defeat us. And it gives us courage and it makes us brave. And so we pray that prayer that we prayed last week and that we talked about last week. Sign us up, put us in, lead us not into temptation, which is where we would lead ourselves, but through it as you vanquish evil from the earth. But there's a second thing that I find happening here, and it's what I really want us just to focus on for a few minutes this morning as we leave this series. In one sense, this prayer is a petition where we sign up and where we ask God to lead us. But I've also found this prayer to be like this great declaration. Matthew 6, Matthew 6 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I mean, deliver us here, it certainly means to rescue us, right? It it means to to save us in this bit of prayer, but bear with me for a second and take the word deliver uh, in a different way. And and I'm going to use it, admittedly, in a pretty shallow illustration, but consider this. If you ask the post office to deliver an important letter, like assuming you put the proper stamp on it and all that, then you can assume that it's what they're going to do, right? They're going to deliver the letter. The post office delivers mail like it's what they do you can tell the person waiting on the other end of that that the mail is on the way that the letter is coming they're going to get it if you ask Domino's to deliver pizza like to your house assuming you've paid and you've placed your order online or whatever and it's all good then you can assume that it's what they're going to do Domino's delivers pizza that's what they do right So you can tell your stomach and you can tell your friends and you can tell your family that the pizza is on its way. But you can't ask Domino's to deliver your mail. You've got to go to the right source. You've got to go to the place you know delivers what needs delivering. I know, maybe that's really simple, but but just think about what we're asking God when we ask that he delivers us from evil. And then think about the implications of what we must be believing of him in order to ask something like that. Right? We're declaring, in essence, that God hears prayers and delivers us from evil, that it's what he does, that he can and that he will, and that our hearts know it and our hearts believe it. Now, I know that when Jesus taught his disciples this prayer, they, they probably weren't thinking of either pizza or the post office. But I think when they learned to pray Jesus' prayer, they were reminded of God's scripture of that, that he heard his people and that he delivered them from evil. I think they were reminded of the stories they knew from out, throughout scripture. 
Maybe they would think of Moses at the burning bush and what God said to him there. This is in Exodus 6, verses 5 through 7. God says this to Moses. I have heard the groaning of my people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of Egypt. God heard the groanings of his people, and he said he would deliver them. And then he did it. He overpowered like the great Egyptian empire and he delivered his people and he brought them to the promised land. Maybe praying this prayer for the disciples, this this prayer of deliver us from evil, maybe it brought to mind the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Do you remember that story? After the Israelites were exiled from their land, uh, Daniel had found favor with the king but he refused to cease praying to his God as the law said he had to do, which landed him in a den of lions. And then check this out, Daniel six sixteen. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought, and he was cast into the den of lions. And the king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. Now, if you remember, the king didn't actually want to throw Daniel in. He was sort of manipulated into having do it. This isn't a joke. He's not being facetious. He's not trying to undermine God. It's actually a little bit of a prayer. Like, may your God deliver you. And then God did deliver Daniel from the mouth of lions. And he also delivered Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, from the fiery furnace. The scriptures actually just packed full of these stories of God delivering people. God hears prayers for deliverance, and he answers. And all of it, always, every story was leading and pointing to the coming of Jesus, the deliverer. I don't think that Jesus' disciples truly knew what was in store when Jesus taught them to pray this prayer. Like, they didn't yet know how Jesus, like, by his life and his death and his resurrection, uh, would become the deliverer of souls who were held captive to sin and death and idolatry. But what about later, right? What about after Jesus died? What about after he rose again? And what about after he ascended to the right hand of the Father? What about after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on them and they experienced the presence of the Lord like never before? What did they come to believe? Why did they keep praying this prayer? Why did it make it into the Gospels with Jesus' teachings that they passed on to us as the way to pray? See, after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit had come, like all the good news that they had ever heard of and hoped for, that God was coming for his people, that he was going to deal with sin once and for all, that he would be present with them again, it had all been accomplished in Jesus. It wasn't something that they were just hearing about and waiting for anymore. It was a present reality that the disciples were now living in. Jesus had come out for their salvation. He had defeated death, and his victory over evil was already sealed. Like if death isn't an obstacle anymore, what can stand against him, right? So his disciples were were living in a new reality, one in which Jesus had already come, one where the the Holy Spirit was indwelling God's people and where the kingdom was just beginning to grow and to spread across the earth. Heaven was coming to earth through God's people 
and nothing was going to stop it. But also, evil was still present. It was still wrecking the earth. It was still a direct threat to their lives and to the lives of others. And so you know that they came into prayer with their, like, their difficulties and their doubts and their fears. Like how many of them actually faced real physical persecution and loss? So what would they have thought when they prayed, deliver us from evil? Those who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus before his death, they ate with him, they witnessed his miracles, they heard his prophecies, though they didn't quite understand them always, they prayed with him in the garden, they saw him die, they put him in the tomb, but they also walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus after his resurrection. They ate with him again. They heard like with fresh ears and like hearts ablaze that his kingdom was coming and that he would work through his delivered people to make his kingdom flourish on earth and that he was with them always, even to the end of the age. So when they came to pray with their doubts and the fears and they prayed, deliver us from evil, it wasn't just a wish thrown up into, heaven, into the heavens. It was a reminder and a declaration of the good news that they wholly believed. That he absolutely is with them. That he does hear them. And that he will deliver from evil. And that nothing can stop him. It's already proven in the work of Jesus Christ. I don't think it's an assurance that they wouldn't suffer at times. But it's a reminder that he's an ever-present help in a time of trouble, as the psalmist writes. So they could cry out for help with confidence. And it's an assurance that they would be delivered from evil once and for all time. It's an assurance and a reassurance that heaven is coming to earth. We live on the same side of the cross that they were beginning to live in. We live in this like already not yet kingdom of God that's still growing and still spreading where heaven is still coming to earth through God's people and where we're still waiting for Jesus to come and to make all things new. And sometimes the waiting seems like it's taking a very long time. Sometimes it seems slow. Evil is still present. It still wrecks things. It can be kind of overwhelming at times. We have our own doubts. We have our own fears. We have our own sufferings. And we also ought to find a freedom to call on our Father for help. He's our ever-present Father, and He loves us dearly, and He hears our cries, and He delivers His people. Yes, there's a petition here to make us brave, to give us courage, to sign us up, to say, yes, Lord, I'm in. Do all that, but also we can have confidence to cry out to our ever-present Father, help us. Deliver us from evil. This place is hard. We can't do it without you. And as I've said before, like this whole prayer is like a bridge to the, to the not yet from the already where, where we're met with a gracious reassurance of hope. When we pray this prayer, we aren't throwing a wish into the sky either. Like we're remembering the good news that's proclaimed over us as we enter the prayer. Our Father is with us and He's making all things new. And so when we call out, deliver us, we're remembering that he who conquered the grave is surely doing exactly what he's always done, that he's with us and that he will vanquish evil from earth. And our heart actively believes that it is all 
true. And in making this request, we are also declaring the good news we are now living from. Our deliverer has come. Our deliverer is with us. We could just turn to him and talk to him. And our deliverer is coming again. I think the difference between a proclamation and declaration is that we, we may simply hear a proclamation, but a declaration is a truth that we kind of live under and from. At least that's just how I'm using it this morning. And like I said at the beginning, we, we entered the Lord's Prayer under a proclamation of good news for the heart to believe, but we close the prayer with a declaration of good news that the heart has come What I hope for us to see is that this whole prayer is meant to move us like over and over and over again from a place of simply like hearing the good news to a place of believing it with all, with all our heart because we live this life from what we truly believe in our heart. And I just personally think it's the wildest thing to observe happen to yourself. But in just these few short lines of prayer, you can witness your own heart change from, from becoming like almost ignorant of God's presence and power and goodness to being completely overcome and transformed by it. And then you can just start praying the prayer over again. And he'll keep blowing your mind and keep shaping you every time you go around. And so I think what I hope for us as we kind of finish this up is that you would make praying this prayer a habit. That you would make praying this prayer a, a practice that you continue in. I have this personal hope that we would even be known as a people who pray this prayer. Because I believe that as we continually and repeatedly pray the Lord's Prayer, we will continue to see ourselves transformed into Christ's likeness. And we will continually find that we are the type of people who are making the real Jesus known on earth. Because we'll be a people who can who find the good news like moving from a proclamation for the heart to believing. We'll find it moving from a proclamation to a declaration that we live our whole lives from. We'll be a people who know our deliverer has come, right? And we know that he's with us. And we know that he's coming again. It's not, we don't have a doubt. And so we'll be a people who can stand up to evil because we know who is with us and that with our ever-present Father, evil can't win. And by this, the good news of our deliverer will be proclaimed in word and deed to many, many more people. The good news of our deliverer will go out, and the Lord will continue his work of making Jesus known everywhere. So his name will be hallowed by everyone, and so his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're going to close by praying this prayer together as we have over the last several weeks. If you'll stand with me, we're going to practice praying this prayer again. I'll, rep I'll say a line. You can repeat it together, and then I'll give us a moment to reflect and to let the truth that's being proclaimed uh, sink in and become our declaration. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on, as, as, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to move into a, a time of response where the band will come back up and they'll lead us in worship, in a time of worship. And then we'll also come, uh, come forward and we'll take communion together as we do each week. And as we take, we can take the bread, which is the body of Christ given for us, and we can dip it in the wine, the wine or the juice, representing the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And when we do this, we are remembering and we are proclaiming the good news. And as we proclaim it and as we hear it proclaimed from one another, we're letting it sink in and we're saying we believe. And so when we come, we believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he would do, that he saved us from sin and death, that he's our deliverer and that he's made us a family and that he's coming again. And so we wait. As you come, whether you're a member at Redemption Church or not, if you believe this and you want to take with us, we invite you to do that. As you come, there's also... Um, giving baskets in the back where you can give your tithes and offerings. Um, we say this every week. We know people don't give in the baskets. Not, not everybody gives in the baskets. A lot of people give electronically. A lot of that slips out of our bank, and it, it just doesn't even register on a Sunday morning that we've done that. We want you to take a moment during this, this time of response to remember God, your provider. Remember that, that you're giving back to him, and, and take a moment to worship him uh, as, as your provider. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to move into this time. Our Father, I think this prayer we've been praying that Jesus taught us to pray, um, it says it all. And it leads us into Christ-likeness. It leads us to, to know you, to know who you are, what you're like, what you're doing, who we are to you, and where you're leading us, and who you're making us. And it has these great proclamations and these great truths about you and, and about who we are that, that we hear all the time or that we even say in the prayer as we you know kind of go through the motions, but God, I'm praying that you... Help them drop down to our heart. Make it 
Just open the eyes of our hearts that we would know your great love for us, just the depth and the width and the heights of it. That we would be changed by it, that we would live from a place where we believe you are who you say you are and that you're here and that you're coming again. That you make us brave, that you give us courage to live the way Jesus have us live help us to be a people who know our deliverer has come our deliverer is with us our deliverer is coming again we wholeheartedly believe it